an A&E original podcast. Why do you like senior citizens so much? Please tell. Because they have not a care left in the world. I like people who are genuinely themselves. Senior citizens, they will tell you about yourself, but then celebrate you. <laughs> they are who they are. No projection of insecurities. They live their best lives and they've lived a lot of it. Literally, they'll tell you you're trash and give you $20 to have a good day. Yes. <laughs> I like people who are themselves. Okay. Yes. Welcome to The Table Is Ours, a podcast where we celebrate, highlight, and discuss topics affecting the Black community with our Black faves. From Black motherhood to mental health, we cover it all at this table because we are no longer asking for a seat at the table. We're making our own. With me today is my favorite co-host, Kirby Dixon. If Kirby were a weekend vibe, she would be an intense morning workout going into like a day party vibe. I'm talking like Rihanna Wild Thoughts Near the Beach vibe. Because you're so, like, you get it done in the morning, and then you can party at night. Best of both worlds. Know me, sis. Know me. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all know who that is. That is my girl, Amira Lawali. If Amira were a weekend vibe, she would be at brunch on a boat with your favorite mm-hmm. auntie mm-hmm. doing the cha-cha slide in the middle of the dance floor. I love those cheesy um, brunch cruises. You know, people like yeah. take their family out when they're in town. It's very touristy. I love it. I'm totally with you. I love doing the electric side drunk with people's grandparents. I love drinking with people's grandmas. I, oof. That's, that's what I miss the most. Wait, this is such a personal story, but like, can I tell you that this weekend, so my best friend from preschool, her family is still in philadelphia and her grandma turned 101 years old we literally went out was a little car drive by we said hello her name is margie shout out to margie i'm obsessed with her she is literally like classy bougie ratchet but not ratchet like ratchet in the exact ratchet you spoke about like i will tell you about yourself young thing but then it's okay yeah like you deserve to be read uh, clearly, but she's like the sweetest person. She literally had a little chair, little crown, balloon. A hundred and one. Can you imagine living for a hundred and one years? I love that for her. She's having the time of her life. That's amazing. Because I feel like once you're there, you just live the life the way you want to. Like no one can tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you're not racist. But like if you're like a non-racist old person, love it. Love that for you, Amira. This is gonna. This is what's gonna happen. The news station is gonna come to your home. You're gonna be like turning a hundred years old. Amira. <laughs> What was your secret to living a long, fulfilling life? And Amira said, go to brunch every weekend, drink champagne as much as you want, <laughs> and do whatever the heck you That's want. That's it. That's it. Honestly, the the fountain of youth is tequila. Is that the end of the bottle? <laughs> Actually, I second that. But you know who's young and had a lot of wisdom to share with us this week? The incredible Kendrick Sampson. Kendrick is a lot of things, but we know him as an incredible actor. He's been in so many of our favorite projects, including How to Get Away with Murder and Insecure. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Nathan. But he's also an activist and someone who has fought for the rights of our people, Black people, for a long time now. We talked activism and art, moving from inclusion to liberation, and he shared his very personal story about his recent experience with the police in Columbia. Kendrick Sampson, let's get into it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're really excited to speak with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we always start every episode with the same question because this year has been a lot. It's been a little difficult. It's been stressful. So first question, how are you? How are you really? Yeah, I'm uh, stressed the f*** out. I ain't even gonna lie. I, it's been a day yep. and it's been a week and it's been a year. Yeah. It's felt like 10 years. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's yes. Like a whole decade. But yeah, <laughs> I've been 
I've been stressed out, but you know, this is brightening up my day. <laughs> oh, great. Happy to hear that. I will say I can relate to you on that and that daylight savings has been kicking my ass. So it really has. has been it's terrible. such a scam. It's such a scam. I just can't wake up. And that's a problem. Yeah. Definitely been having trouble getting up out of the bed. Yeah, but we made it and we're here. So we're just going to kick this right off. And I want to say many people know you as being a heartthrob, right? We're just going to put it out there. A heartthrob (laughs) on shows like How to Get Away with Murder and Insecure. We all love your character, Nathan. Love. (laughs) I know, love. (laughs) I'm trying to keep it cool, girl. Trying to keep it cool. Okay. So we know what it's like to stand someone but want to know what's it like for you being on the receiving end of that standum you know it depends especially you know any show that i've been on it's gone up and down like wow you look great i don't trust you i think you <laughs> you know like <laughs> i'm about to whoop you but like i've i've gotten all kinds of things especially in the airport the airport is like I don't know what it is about the airport, but people get bold. Oh my god, do tell! I feel like TSA watches the most TV. <laughs> I don't know how they recognize folks. It's just like they're experts, and they will they'll point you out and they'll be like, and it's like you're stuck in the airport, you know. So <laughs> yeah. people be <laughs> you're trying to go be, under the radar, keep it cool. Yeah, called out. People be like sitting down next to you, asking you questions, <laughs> accusing you of things, yelling at you um, oh from across the airport. So yeah, I've had it's been interesting. Got it. So we touched on, I guess, actor Kendrick a little bit, but I think something that also is so weighted in who we see you is like activist Kendrick. So if you can touch on, like, what was the tipping point for you that made you say, okay, I need to go into action. I need to touch into activism. Like, what spiraled that? I've always been outspoken, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, with anything. Just if I saw something, you know, and I have had an opinion on it, <laughs> you know, my, my mom a lot of time was like, shut up. You talk to me. <laughs> but I always had to, you know, say something. And so it used to be just morals and such but it turned into activism more because I was doing my best to especially around Trayvon Martin right I was doing my best to challenge people but still you know for placate white supremacy mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like kind of, yeah you know I was still trying to keep my job and like yep. I understand uh, that <laughs> I felt like I was relatable doing it Yeah, I felt like I was doing enough. I was like, you know, I'm telling people about it and and trying to, you know, not upset white people. Um, And then I realized, you know, white people are going to think what they think about me regardless and and call me whatever, ghetto, whatever. I remember one time in particular, somebody was like, you know, I, I was being a little, I was being careful with how I approached them. They were making me mad. And I said, please stop and you know and they said don't get ghetto on me and I was like you know what you're right right. (laughs) I was like you're right okay you know what since you want it you know what I'm saying I'm gonna give you what you want (laughs) ain't nothing I could do like I have I I have a great education I you know that's an open invitation right yeah I can code switch if I want to I can be all you know I can do whatever I'm great at imitations I could imitate you I could sound more white than you um right just because I I, that's what I've been doing my whole life is being is doing imitations that's how I got into acting right Mm -hmm. so I'm like Mm -hmm. if I want to I can and I've done so much up to this point to in in realizing that so much of my communication is is making white people comfortable Mm -hmm. and I finally said you know around the time of Trayvon Martin between Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown I said I'm tired of assessing constantly assessing how I communicate based on what makes white people comfortable while people are dying if I have a larger platform and my reservations and my silence or lack of activism lack of boldness right of framing exactly what it is how violent and terrible it is 
if that's going to lead to more people dying, right? right. <laughs> you know, if I got to lose a job to save a life, you know what I'm saying? So then that's what I'm going to do. So that around 2015 is when I just was like, I'm all in and, you know, what white people think. Yeah, it's like you get to a place where you're truly fed up and done with making yourself smaller to make people around you, specifically white people, more comfortable. It's just it's up to a point where you say, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> That's on you and the learning that you need to do yep. to understand why are you uncomfortable around me? Because it's exhausting. It is. It's <laughs> exhausting carrying two lives, like acting like two people yeah. just to make someone else comfortable who is literally not. They're not enough. Like They're not. They're not Beyonce. I don't like, why am I putting this much work into someone who's like not enough? And they're not going to be happy regardless. So what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to bring up someone who you've spoken a lot about, the incredible Angela Davis. I feel like we're often talking about the new wave of activists, but a lot of them got their tools from people like Angela Davis, like Ruby Bridges. So how do you use the tools that you learned from Angela Davis in your own activism? Yeah, I call Angela Davis my president. Your president. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one, she's another one that always articulates things i mean she's a professor she's like i mean mm -hmm. she articulates things more effectively than i can and i'm always striving for that effective communication yeah she does that so well yeah she's a great listener and that's a tool right great listener she assesses and then she responds succinctly and effectively it's it blows my mind every time but, you know, the way she's able to articulate abolition is incredible and continues to challenge me on how deeply I'm thinking about abolition internally, right? Mm -hmm. And I think of abolition simply as uprooting the bad seeds, right? I always think a good seed produces a good tree, produces good fruit, a bad seed produces a bad tree, produces bad fruit. So I yep. think of mm -hmm. abolition as uprooting those bad trees that were formed from those bad seeds because those bad seeds are the core and the essence of them so policing prisons are always going to be slave catching and slavery they are corrupt at their core they do not belong here and so you have to uproot them and plant new seeds that are founded in care and nourishment and safety and accountability and you know i just i'm always challenged to think of that more intersectionally where it applies and it applies everywhere um it applies in our interpersonal relationships and our communication and our habits right yeah so yeah i think one of hers is like listening and answering effectively without ever compromising on values Ever. Right. She's been saying the same thing maybe 2,000 different ways, mm -hmm. but she's been saying the same thing for decades. Yeah. And she was willing to put her life on the line to protect those who aren't even necessarily the acceptable ones, right? We, a lot of the time, we stand up for our brothers and sisters when they have college degrees, when they yep. seem like they were on a good track. Yeah. But Angela Davis was one of the few that would put her life on the line for someone, whether they were acceptable or not. They deserve justice. They deserve freedom. They deserve fairness. And their life is still and their choices are still in the context of white supremacy and its trauma. Have you ever spoken to her or gotten advice from her directly? No, I. um <laughs> No. Okay. We're speaking that into the universe. I know. It's coming. You know, she's one of those people. I have so many connections to her. And I've been invited to events with her and everything. And it just, it hasn't worked out. And mm -hmm. I almost, I don't know if I want it to. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like. I get that. Like meeting your idol. It's heavy. I'd be okay if I didn't ever meet her. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'd also be okay if I met her tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. That's amazing. Well, Amira mentioned this before, but we have, in one way, we have Kendrick, the actor, the artist, and we have Kendrick, 
the activist. And we actually just saw you, obviously, on the Grammys perform with Lil Baby, which at the core of, I want to get a song correct, the bigger picture is activism and taking a stance toward all the injustice that's happening in this country. So where do those two selves intersect? And how do you separate the two? Or do you feel the need to separate those two selves? I don't. uh, I don't feel the need to separate them. I think activism, I don't think, I know activism is a lifestyle. Activism is a way of being. Mm -hmm. And you could be an activist for good or bad things, right? Yeah, right. It is a lifestyle in taking your values and standing up for those values. Whether you want to die on a problematic hill or a hill that actually liberates people and is morally sound, then that is your choice. But I think that in the same way, abolition is a lifestyle, right? Abolition, you apply when no one is around. Uprooting those things in yourself, those problematic things in yourself, the harmful things in yourself that are harming yourself right. and also harming other people, problematic behaviors, and then and uprooting those and planting new seeds that are rooted in good habits, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. healthy habits, nourishing habits. So it applies to everything. It applies to, to art, you know, one of my favorite sayings, there is no revolution without art, right? There's no separation in good doing, right? Right. Right. In doing right. So I do my best to do it in my art, through my art. And that's, that doesn't mean that everything has to be an activist centered project or like a blatant, blatant liberation. Liberation happens in just displaying the full humanity of people who are normally criminalized, demonized and marginalized black people. Yep. Right. Telling the story of an indigenous person that lives in the city mm-hmm. in 2021. How many times have you seen this story? Yep. Never, because they always display indigenous people as, you know, back then. Yep. Mm-hmm. Savages, you know, yep. somebody it's whatever it is. It's 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 they once were, but they are here. They live in the city. There's a lot of them in Inglewood. Yeah. Right? And they're up with the modern times just like us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that's just showing like, you know, insecure, showing two black women just living, navigating their friendship. Right. Right. Yeah. Is an activist project. And it you know, doesn't center a specific issue or anything, but displaying their full humanity. Neither one of them are perfect, my God, right? Um, <laughs> they have all kinds of different Perfectly issues. Perfectly imperfect. It. Right. And that is is healing and challenging and culture shifting, right? Which is activism. Yeah. So I do my best to make it a lifestyle, taking you know, nourishing myself and and resting is Mm -hmm. supposed to be part of my activism. I'm not as good at sleeping, but I do my best to work out. And, you know, especially since they be having me naked on TV. Uh, (laughs) And, but it's part of my, it's part of my health, right? It's in our wellness. That's what we're doing this for is autonomy over our wellness, right? Being able to determine our communities and our own personal wellness. And so that's, it's inseparable from from activism. And there is no part of my life that isn't. My spirituality, my career, my art. Yeah. So just change the subject just a little bit. So I'm from Houston. Gang, gang. (laughs) (laughs) I know Kirby is tired of me bringing this up on every single episode. Girl, go ahead. It's all good. (laughs) You're like our fourth guest from Houston. And I literally fan out every single time because I like I love my city so much. I have so much pride in Houston. And it's hard to explain to people who aren't from our city, like who aren't from the same place. I have so much pride in the city, but I will tell you recently, every time I hear Houston, like my heart drops a little bit because I'm still mourning what everyone went through a month ago when Mm. we were left out Mm -hmm. to die and freeze by our government. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And there's so many different ways that we can speak about that. Like it was so hurtful. So many things happened. But like at the end of the day, for me, it wasn't just about weather. It was about politics. Of course. And for a long time, like everyone's been talking about like what is going on in Texas. The world saw what was happening in Texas. There was a clear chart of what was happening 
when I think about Texas and Georgia in particular, I think of like a state that everyone says is red, but we're not red because we're red, red because of suppression. Mm-hmm. We're red because black and brown people cannot vote. And we saw that in this last election. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, for someone who like works in this field, <laughs> <laughs> what can marginalized communities do to gain power in a system that was not made for us and is constantly working against us? So first of all, there's so many awful humans that I got a lot of words for. I'm I'm doing my best to limit my my uh, curse words, but you literally you know, gave us hold us back. That's I know. The energy I just yeah, got. I hold like, me back. Hold me back. <laughs> I have so many problems with them, and I I don't like to hold back my rhetoric so much because I like people to understand that. There's no decorum when your actions are leading to violence for my people. Yep. Right. And especially it ain't just my 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 people, my black people, my brown people. It's my family. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I will run up. Like mm-hmm. I would, like it ain't like <laughs> it's not like I like metaphorical like you are actually harming my family. Yes. Right. Right. Your actions are directly affecting. And one thing that I think we need to do is to accept that, that there is no decorum, that there, that they have no decorum, right? Like if I get in a fight on the street, I'm not following the rules of the boxing ring. Somebody Mm -hmm. got, you know, picking up chairs and mess i'm like okay well i gotta do whatever i gotta do to survive right, right? Yes. picking up a bench then a bar okay. right <laughs> hang out right so you have you know we've been conditioned to believe that we have to be so perfect and so deserving in order to earn our rage yeah and you know, it's a very deep and complex answer. White supremacy is violent, right? It's extracting resources from our communities, leaving us with little to nothing to survive, actually implementing policies that harm us is violent. It's just because their hand isn't the hand that strikes you doesn't mean that they are not violent, Mm -hmm, right? right? They are violent. And so our reaction must be proportionate. I ha- I always try to tell people I am not uh I am much more Malcolm X, you know. Mm. I I am nonviolent as long as you are nonviolent <laughs> with me. Okay? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's what I learned growing up too. Once you violent with me, gloves are off, right? Yes. Brass knuckles have been Let's fight. put on. I'll match your energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And this is violence, right? Mm-hmm. And so more than anything, I, you know, I I will go back to I believe that we need to adopt framework of abolition that don't let them scare us away from and say that it's too radical. All of the solutions that actually will get us free, they're going to deem as radical. They're going to criminalize, right? Yeah, because we're using their own weapons against them. Yeah, that's going to be their tactic. That has been their tactic for all time, right? So slavery did never go away. It transitioned into Jim Crow and prison leasing and uh, slave patrols became police and all of this, right? So if slavery didn't go away and abolitionists were trying to uproot and abolish slavery, abolition didn't go anywhere, right? Right, right. Just like slavery evolved, abolition evolved. We still have to uproot these systems. We still have to eradicate slavery. And that comes in the form of capitalism. That comes in the form of transphobia. It comes in the form of so many things that divide us, xenophobia, to make sure that we don't coalition build. And that's mm-hmm. the last thing that they want yep. is for us to coalition build, realize we deserve better and fight for it with all the vigor that we should. You right. saw people actually started changing things when they started burning shit down last year. Okay. Right? And then they started placating us, telling us, speaking of Texas, that we got Juneteenth, right? As a national holiday. Yep. Like that's yes. something. Put a like, little Band-Aid hey, on it real quick. Right. Oh. I'm like, you can't give us that. You, exactly. That's I have, we've had, I was like, um. We have that. We've had we, that from birth. Like, that's been a thing for years. <laughs> you can't give us that. It was funny being in New York and seeing other people embrace Juneteenth, but I was like, 
this is an act. Like, this right. is, you may have gone to work on Juneteenth, but we didn't go to, it's always a holiday. How are you going to give me something that's mine? Yeah, and I'm not about to settle for no seat at no table. Mm-hmm. We built the table. The table's ours. The table, the table is ours. Table is ours. Speak <laughs> it again, Kendrick. There we go. The table is included in my reparations package, mm-hmm. uh, which I still haven't received. Speaking of a stimmy, I'm not worried about no stimmy. I need my reparations. You right, owe me a lot Give me the land back that. that I deserve. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaking of all this like performative stuff though, DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion (laughs) has totally become a buzzword this past year, but it's existed forever. We live DEI, right? Right. We all do, but you've started talking about how we need to move past DEI into liberation. So can you talk about how do those two terms differ? What are the two meanings and why should we move past DEI into liberation? Yeah. So I do my best not to diminish representation Mm -hmm. because I do know that seeing people, I I saw people growing up doing things and they looked like me, fewer people than now, obviously. But I saw people, a few people that looked like me and I was like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. Exactly. uh, I could do that. And I also saw other things, to be honest, and I think that we all do see other things and we're like, I want to be in that position. Why can't I do that? Right. And then everything in society tells us that we can't because of whatever reasons that white supremacy is cooked up. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's always white supremacy. (laughs) It really is. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's the foundation of this occupying force that we call America. Yep. And so when you talk about diversity and inclusion, the problem is it ends at representation and we settle for representation and we're not talking about representation and ideology we're literally just talking about skin color right um, Mm -hmm. or gender right right? and so it's an aesthetic thing right and normally it's always going to be they're going to search for the one that looks like us but will act in their interest oh yes oh my gosh yes yes as best as possible they're going to find somebody to service their needs that they're comfortable with not that will actually get us free right Mm -hmm. right that the person that will challenge them the least Mm -hmm. in the same way in hollywood if a panel of white folks sees six different stories starring black people written by black people they're going to choose the story that challenges them the least Mm -hmm. the story that they can relate to Mm mm-hmm which is why they don't need to be making them decisions. Right. 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 And so, you know, the biggest problem with diversity and inclusion is I'm not looking for, it has nothing to do with liberation. It has to do with looking better. It has to do with liability. Mm -hmm. Right. And being included. I'm not being included is not liberating. It is, being allowed into a space right when we don't have to worry about that allowance right when we don't have to worry about being allowed anymore that's true freedom right yeah yeah you're still the gatekeeper yes you have to give me permission yes right yeah and that is not that's not liberation and so if you're talking about 
corporations and other entities, administrations, like this is the most diverse administration. Is it the most liberating administration? Are they actually implementing laws and policies and fighting for things that will actually liberate us? Or is it just, and so far what I've seen is it's more so just representation. It's more numbers and liability than actual action, right? Right. I think what you're speaking about is good because Amir and I are in corporate America. Obviously, we're still in media and entertainment, but we're on the suits side of things. And we saw this last year. You're talking about performative versus action, real, true liberation and change. And we saw that after the death of George Floyd last June, almost every brand in the land decided to post (laughs) a, uh, a black square, use the hashtag Black Lives Matter. We see the exact same thing occurring now with all of the hate towards the AAPI or Asian American Pacific Islander community. But when you take a look inside and you see the boardrooms and the actual actions that have taken place since those performative actions have occurred, the boardrooms look the same. Yeah. The numbers stayed the same. Say it. And now it's just like you have people on the diversity side from the representational side that they're putting at the forefront. But in terms of true liberation, like you're speaking about, the people that are making the decisions, Mm -hmm. the people that are allowing other people to rise to the top, it's still white. And and I think so I appreciate you making that distinction because that's absolutely true. And I think it's not something we've heard is often until you made that statement recently. So I appreciate you bringing that distinction to our podcast, but also out into the world. And it's not just white. It's white. It's straight. It's rich. It's male. Like it's they all look the same in the boardroom. And then when you bring us in and we come in as the only black women on our teams, there's no room for us to breathe or grow or succeed. Like we're set up to fail and we're just like these figures. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know when we'll get there. I don't know when we'll get to liberation, but I think like you said, like it won't happen because that's when they lose power. Right. Right. That is the thing is they're going to always choose. And this is the reason you don't see a lot of, I think a, a lot more diversity would be happening in boards and such if they could find black people, brown people, Asian, AAPI people, whoever, who could fit their mold, right? Yep. Who could mm-hmm. meet their qualifications. So number one, you already have all of these systems in place to make sure that we don't meet their qualifications. Exactly, right. right. They hoard the the access to their qualifications, right? And block access to their qualifications. And then on top of that, they want somebody who meets their qualifications who will not challenge their power. Yeah, right. And they have to give up power. And- You know, that's something that I constantly do my best when I'm talking to, advising, whatever, white folks who want to bring Black people into the space. Are you willing to give up some power? Right. Don't bring us in here and then order us around, tell us how to be Black. Right. right? As consultants. Um, Consultants on Blackness. (laughs) Right. With a retainer fee. Excuse me. Right. That is called exploitation. Yeah. Right. Right. Bring us in, pay us what you owe us, and give us... Pay me what That's the you key. owe me. <laughs> right. Give us autonomy over the blackness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're not here to placate you. Right. So, you know, it is it is a power thing. And a lot of people, especially in, in a lot of us, are afraid to say that word power and take power and know that we deserve power. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's that imposter syndrome creeping in, that <laughs> negative self-talk. Right. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. We are so used to the victim, right? Th- yep. th- the victim gets the attention. The victim, you know, will get pity. And that's our in, hopefully, that's to supposed one to be day enough. maybe get some power, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and it's like, no, we need to come in knowing what we deserve, <laughs> demanding it and coalition building to achieve it. Yeah. And in a lot of the time also we're taught individualism. Well, not all, uh, some of the time, all, most of the time, all of the time, you know, America is about individualism, which is, you know, survival. It's like, it's, it's lonely at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't, you can't bring everybody with you, all yeah. of those things, which force you to shed your community and your connection to your community. It is in direct 
antithesis to coalition building. Right. You actually can bring folks with you, right? Yeah. Hello. You actually can coalition build and go in together. You are bringing every room you're in. You should be bringing other people in with you, whether right. that's metaphorically or literally. You consult with them people before you go into that room. <laughs> yeah. Right. You strategize. If I cannot bring you in physically, what are the things that I need to look out for? And this is who I'm meeting with. And this is how we hold them accountable if something doesn't change. Knowledge is power. So we, we've spoken about the abuse of power conceptually, but we live this. I'm going to ease my way into this because I know it's still fresh for you. You touched on going on vacation earlier. And we kind of saw, I guess, the result of that on social media. It was also really hard to watch. It was hard to watch. Yeah. I know. And we saw um, the abuse from the Colombian police. And first off, I want to ask you, like, how are you? How are you doing mentally with that? Are you still in a moment of healing with that? And if you are okay and open to it, would you mind telling us what happened? Sure. Um, I, how am I now? I, mm-hmm. I am still stressed out. And sometimes I have to kind of weigh if, you know, what part of the trauma that we experienced in the last year is informing that. And it might be all of it. Right. So I didn't have a chance to heal from it. Um, I still haven't had a chance to heal from the protests. Right. And getting beat up by police in L.A. I haven't had a chance to heal from my mama, uh, who was 99, passing away right after as I'm trying to get extracted from Columbia, you know, so there's so many and, and a lot of people passed last year that I know and because of COVID and, and life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of trauma that happened last year. That one was particularly traumatizing because I was like in a space of, of healing, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get the hell up away from here. And I was like, I'm going no matter what, I know y'all got a billion things for me to do, but I'm leaving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as I finally e- try to ease into peacetime, you know, I get beat up by, by police and uh, in another country, right. Where they're notorious for like, kidnapping people and trying to assassinate leaders especially afro-colombian black uh and indigenous leaders and it was done in a very public way in the middle of the day which seemed very targeted but yeah i mean i i'm a little hesitant because i guess i you know i i've written an op-ed about it we're waiting to get that placed and um but at the same time, you know, I, I guess it doesn't hurt to to talk about it. So I just don't know if I'm going to remember all of the details. But yeah, I essentially what happened, and I'll do my best to keep it short because it wasn't a short experience. So, you know, you walk around at night, there's a curfew, and especially coming closer to the curfew, they will roll up on you mm-hmm. and... Um, ask you for your documents and it's stop and frisk. It's, it's exactly what it is. I was trying to rush and do some work and get out of the hotel because I was just stuck in this hotel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to see the sunset. I'm going to get a haircut, see the sunset, eat. That was my my plan. And then go back to work. Yeah. So I got out of my hotel. I asked one of my buddies on the street, hey, can you show me where this place, this haircut place is? And he was like, cool. Walking with him, they rolled up from behind, which means they were either following like to to target us right just us two mm-hmm. walking in centro historico which is like the nicest area in cartagena that's most affluent and and the safest they tell you as long as you stay in those walls which are literally like walls big walls colonial wow. walls mm-hmm. uh-huh. as, as long as you stay within there you're safe and so i did for the most part and this at this time like just imagine ro- walking down rodeo drive or somewhere in beverly hills or whatever and these folks roll up on you, tell, start yelling at you, tell you to put your hands up and face the wall. And and so I'm like, all right, in at three o'clock in the in the afternoon, sun bright, beaming down, people all over. And he starts reaching in your underwear. Wow. Imagine that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm like, nah, bro, you can't do that. Yeah, I don't even have words. <laughs> yeah, for that. I just have a face. Wow. <laughs> This is like, and we went to, from zero to sexual harassment and yeah. like, you know, and so I'm, I 
I tell him no, he can't do that. And in my Spanish, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm not from here. I'm from America. I'm, you know, and he's, he's like, I don't care. And and he starts to like reach in my pockets and in my underwear. Wow. And I said, you can't do that. And he starts hitting me on my arms. Like I could like hard, like I could do, you know, whatever I want to do. I could touch you however I want to touch you. And he, you know, and I said, no, you can't. I tried to keep my, I'm like, breathe. I'm like, remember you in a different country. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, no, you cannot. I'm mm -hmm. already thinking I need to report this and whatever. But he's looking at me like he done snorted a little bit of cocaine and he's ready to go. And so I could tell he's, he's uh, amped up. And I couldn't, what I couldn't tell, it just seemed like, why are you so amped up? It seemed like he came to do this, right? And so he snatches my, as I'm, I said, I can, you know, show you my ID. I can do this. So I gave him my ID, he told me to empty out the context of my bag. So I emptied out, he snatches my bag and the stuff and I catch it. And, and then he, um, meaning catch the stuff. And then he starts digging in my, my bag. And I'm like, no, I just told you, I can show you my ID. I can empty out my bag myself. And that's when he hits me in my jaw. Um, and, <laughs> and pulls out his gun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. Automatically just hits me, pulls out his gun. Yeah. Cause you know, he thinks I'm probably going to hit him back. Um, which I thought about, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I had the gun. Um, but my eye was on the gun the entire time and it all happened very quickly. And I saw somebody recording and I was like, okay, you know, at least one person, I don't know who this is, but, and so, you know, he cuffs me and drags me through the streets and wow. he cuffs me, inverts my hands like this so that I can't reach for anything or, oh my and, gosh. Uh, and like drags me through the streets by the cuffs and like, Every time I try to talk to somebody and tell them where my hotel is to call my hotel, who I am, he like yanks it and he's like, you know, shut up. Don't say don't say that. Shut up. Blah, blah, blah. They throw me in this like dark place uh, that they call a police station. This dark, like run down corner after 20 minutes of walking abandoned, like nobody's in there. And you know what we think of as police stations, right? I'm like, this ain't no damn police station. Empty room <laughs> oh, no. With no doors. I'm like, they about to kill me. Right. Oh, um, no. Seen a lot of movies. Yeah. I was like, they about to, they, I mean, they put me out to the corner so nobody from the outside from the street could see me. So I'm sitting there like, y'all about to either try to beat me up or kill me. Um, so they start speaking Jesus. to me in Spanish and yelling at me. Like, why did you blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. And thank God my boy from the street stayed with me the whole time. He wasn't cuffed or anything, but he was like, I'm not leaving him because he, because I told him to tell them I don't speak Spanish. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he told him I didn't speak Spanish and was trying to translate for me. And then I just kept saying, I don't understand hoping that they would let me, I, I just tell them, say, tell them I, you know, I need my translator app. I need my translator app. And so they finally uncuffed me so that I could translate. And I got my phone and started texting folks, had terrible service. So I couldn't call anybody of course, yeah. like live stream or something. So I was just like, what's happened? All my Colombian buddies. And in, you know, very quickly I had, you know, folks calling their captain their general and uh oddly you know some ambassadors texting me and some some of the higher level higher ranking police texting me which i was like oh you know I'm, yeah yeah i don't want that but um but uh it turned into a big thing where you know the video went viral and they they held me for four hours um, they told me that they said in the, in the media, in, in, uh, El Tiempo, this huge newspaper, mm -hmm. biggest newspaper in, in Colombia, that they released me immediately, which was a lie. Yeah, of course. They held me for four hours, tried to intimidate me, tell me that I couldn't have anybody come translate for me, that I had to sign this document that said that I, uh, resisted arrest, that I, you know, and all this stuff that, that I wouldn't show them my documents, that I resisted legal procedures and, it was it was it was a lot 
thank God people from like representatives from the hotel came, some local activists came. My community was who my community was. Yeah. Yeah. Which again goes back to what it taught me. Uh, what it highlighted for me is it's important to coalition build. It's important to build radical community with radical ideology, abolitionist folks that, you know, because my folks jumped to it. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, I love having a strong right. squad. You do having need a squad. Always be there for you. Oh my god! My people jumped to it. Thank God those activists stayed with me, translated and made sure that I was okay because even they followed me. I told them I was at the mall eating. I hadn't eaten. Y'all detained me for five hours, uh, for four hours. Um, the whole ordeal took five. And and they were like, but we need this statement right now. And they f- came to the mall looking for me. And I was like, nah. They were <laughs> no, like, like this is, yeah. That's yeah. suspicious. No. Yeah. I was like, hell nah. Um, so, you know, it was it was in uh, an ordeal. And of course, the embassy and all of these other people and international activists and everything got involved. But I did my best. And they everybody was like, don't uh, representative Karen Bass was super helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez reached mm-hmm. out. A bunch of folks were were incredible, um, but had no power, no, no power there. Yeah, I just want to say like, Thank you, though, for telling your story here and like with us. I think it just solidifies how important it is to have a strong coalition and how coalition building is extremely important. But it's also like a a reminder. um, You're not the first person that we've spoken to on this podcast who has sadly had an encounter with the police like this. Not even. And it happens all of the time. And recently. Yeah. So really appreciate you. Obviously, we don't want to make you relive that traumatic experience. It's still so fresh. But like for trusting us and for telling your story, that's all we want to do is help ensure that people know this happens all of the time. All the time. So thank you for that. Yeah. I will say and also... I what I was able to do, they told me to stay in the hotel, not leave and anything. But I think something that was important was I I didn't leave until I snuck up out of that hotel, connected with some local activists and went to the hood there. I was way safer. I didn't I didn't ever feel threatened in some of the most dangerous hoods there, interviewing family members of Harold Morales, who was killed by police and other folks that had experienced police brutality and murder, right? Their family members and loved ones murdered. And I was like, I want to make sure that I tell their story. So we're editing together some of that footage of the folks that I interviewed while I was there, because they, they suffered that violence without my platform, my size platform. Right. right? Yeah. So it's happening in the shadows every day out there yeah we're proud of you because of the way in which you have used your platform amir and i were actually laughing about this because (laughs) your thirst traps are actual traps they're like essays right like (laughs) here's this great photo of me but also here's this link to this organization that you should be aware of read this essay stop being racist (laughs) check yourself and donate to but thirst trap but check it right so that's how you use a thirst (laughs) trap we're super proud of you a little bit of a harsh transition yeah. after that story, but I we always like to give our guests an opportunity to brag about themselves. You're doing so much not only in the entertainment space, but the activism space. So what do you have coming up? What's next? What do we have to look forward to from the Kendrick? Well, Insecure Season 5. Yes. Uh, it makes me sad. Sad but excited. <laughs> I'm very... Okay, honestly, that season got me through. Like, I think we all kind of got that first bit of, like, quarantine watching season four yeah because we watched mm-hmm. it together and it was the beginning of quarantine we're we all doing it twice. weekly i know <laughs> so the fact that it's ending bittersweet but sorry please continue fifth and final season i think it's gonna be uh really dope and i know it's gonna be really dope and good and and then i have other endeavors that i've been working really hard on writing build power build power for sure yes. build power we're building infrastructure uh, for our nonprofit, build power, um, hiring a lot of folks to ramp up our work and continue f-ing shit up. Do it. Um, it needs to be. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Doing what we got to do and building up better yeah. for mm-hmm. us. And then, of course, you know, with my own producing and, and writing, I've been writing um, a lot and 
doing my best to find the time to to work on my creative endeavors and um yeah and that's gotten more movement than ever which I'm really excited about so those are that's what I can talk about that's great that's amazing we can't (laughs) wait to stand there's so much to stand from you coming up in the next Mm -hmm. couple of months years we're here for it for sure for sure so I'm gonna ask you the one question we ask every single guest we end the same way and some version of this question so if you can fill in the blank my black is powerful because my black is powerful because it contains all of the ancestors that came before me the the magic the power the transformative influence of all of the ancestors that came before me yeah do we That's just stump you on I a know <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. It's Good. it's it's hard because black. I I feel black is my favorite color. Mm-hmm. I, I always said I don't don't ever try to tell me black ain't a color. It's actually an absorption of all the colors. If we're of being all real, all the colors. Mm-hmm. This is all what I'm colors. saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's so multi layered and multifaceted in decolonizing meditation. Uh, <laughs> part of part of what I do is imagine that my insides, when I'm meditating, imagine that my insides are all white, right? That there's Mm -hmm. just this white space and it's not empty. It's full of this white energy. And that white energy can be frustrating. That white energy can be whatever state I'm in at that moment. And I do my best to imagine breathing in this deep, rich, black energy that has- just beautiful, uh, multi-layered, different types of blacks. And it's it's like peering into the universe, into space, into the galaxy. And it's just filling me up. And, and all of us are in there together. And there's just like, I, you know, I could walk you through my whole meditation. This but that's, please do. That's yes. how I see black. <laughs> you know, that's how I see black. So when you say my black is powerful because I'm like, man. I, I, it stumps me because I'm like, that's an overwhelming question. Uh, yeah. It's, I could be here forever. I can't yeah. boil that down. You literally oh, just wish. like that visual of like consuming the strength of the Black Panther is what went through my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, decolonizing that. meditation. That's it. That's really it for me. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that was amazing. I mean, this has been so incredible. It's been a delay. We could have talked to you for, hours <laughs> three four five hours <laughs> i know we have so much to get to but honestly thank you for taking the time out to come out and sit thank at our you table so much. the table that we built because we don't we don't need to see at other people's tables like you no. said there you go there <laughs> no you consider go. us a part of your coalition now oh too, yeah so. we roll up i appreciate that thank you so much though we really appreciate it you're again i say this all the time you're one of our black babes for a reason you are you hold us down <laughs> you're mm-hmm. real with us yeah yeah Listen, thank you for challenging us and challenging our community in the way that we need to be challenged. So we appreciate you. We do. Of course. I appreciate y'all letting me talk my shit. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Thank you very much. The Table is Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKamey Lynn and Richard White and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Tables Ours was created by A&E. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.